Welcome to Salam Pages, where we read the opening pages of books written by Muslim authors. Narrated by Samia. This is Here With You, written by Um Afraz Muhammad. Part 1 And of his signs is that he created for you from yourselves mates, that you may find tranquility in them, and he placed between you affection and mercy. Indeed, in that are signs for a people who give thought. Quran 30.21 1. Salma Salma, Salma, come fast, they have come. My heart pounded as I raced towards the living room. My sister stood at the door, calling out to me, waving her hand excitedly. Oh my God, Salma, I can't believe this is actually happening. My baby sister is about to get engaged. Sara squealed, jumping up and down and sandwiching a hug in between. I was too nervous to be excited. My sister's words hit me hard. If everything went well, then in about a month's time, I would have moved out of my mother's place and into a house filled with strangers, who by then would have become family. I watched as Daddy, Mommy, and my brother Sohail welcomed my soon-to-be in-laws and family at the gate. Mariam, my sister-in-law, was missing in this auspicious event of my life. She was carrying her family heir, the true warith, as my townsfolk would say, and was back home with her parents. Her six-month-old fetus had kept her tired and nauseous throughout her pregnancy. Biting my lip, I looked around surreptitiously for Fessel, and there he was. Oh, he looks so handsome, even better than the photo Daddy had shown me last week. Immediately, the feeling of nervousness gave way to a thousand butterflies flitting in my stomach. I sensed Sara's eyes on me, and I felt my cheeks grow hot. Oh, checking him out, eh? She teased, winking her eye. Oh, shut up, Sarah, I said as I ran to my room, feeling flustered. Heart racing, I prayed to Allah. Ya Allah, bless our engagement and make it a smooth event. When Daddy had brought forward this proposal last month, I had a lot of qualms about it. Everything seemed to be perfect, perhaps a bit too perfect. One of Daddy's regular patients had suggested this proposal. Apparently, his best friend was looking for a religious and educated bride for his son. The family, like us, was South Indian, Tamil to be exact. Fessel was a 28-year-old architect, running his family business in Kuwait. He was the only child of his parents, which was one of the reasons I had liked this alliance. Having to stay with the in-laws after my marriage was a given, as was the custom of every bride in my place. So, with this alliance, I knew I could stay rather freely and in peace at my in-laws without having to worry about running into any brother-in-laws or husbands of sisters-in-law of mine, or of having to constantly maintain my hijab in front of them. Another factor that pushed me to considering this proposal was that he was brought up in the Gulf. Getting married to someone brought up abroad would definitely make life easier as opposed to marrying someone who was raised up in India. I had heard many stories of incompatibility issues, some that even resulted in divorce, from my Oman-raised friends just because their ideologies and opinions differed greatly from those of their husbands who were brought up back home. With Fasel, I believed that our tastes would match and would be compatible in many ways, especially when it came to our lifestyle. This was the last and final stage of our engagement process, where the elders came together to officially discuss about the details of the marriage ceremony and fix the wedding date. Our parents had met once a couple of months ago to get formally acquainted with one another. After they had introduced themselves in person and then made the necessary background checks over the course of the next few weeks, they felt satisfied to go ahead with the proposal. That was when they had made us, bride and groom-to-be, speak to each other over the phone. 
The norm would be for us to meet face to face, but since we lived in different countries, we had to make do with a telephonic conversation for a very first introduction. Assalamu alaikum. He had greeted me then on the phone. Walaikum assalam. I had replied with a shaky voice while my family sat around me, listening to the phone conversation that was set in speaker mode. I'm Faisal, he introduced. This is Salma. Um, are you happy with the proposal? His boyish voice had trembled ever so slightly with nervousness. Tightening my grip on the phone, I looked down at my feet, as though shy to look at the receiver, and answered, Yes, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah, we will meet soon. A blanket of stress uncovered his voice. Inshallah, I had replied before passing the phone to Daddy. Looking at the girl in the mirror now, I wondered if we would suit each other physically. I was a tall and curvy girl, fancy term for overweight, yet I was sure any dietitian would label me obese, with a fair complexion, while he was thin and of average height, though people back home considered five feet two inches to be short for a man with a smooth tanned skin. I had always imagined getting married to a guy who was at least six inches taller than me, so I could look up, not straight, at him. Sighing at my own reflection, I turned away from the mirror and sat on my bed, surveying the room. Sometimes I really outdo myself. My room was usually a mess. Regardless of the number of times I tidied it, it always seemed to get disorganized again in a flash. But whenever we have guests over, I'm somehow able to magically find places to stuff my things in which, once the visitors leave, yet again magically spill out. Perhaps they have a mind of their own. Hey, dreamy girl, what's cooking up in your mind? Sada quipped as she came in. Oh, nothing. I was just mm, wondering if we would, you know, make a good pair. I mean, I'm just two inches shorter than him, and I would probably look like a huge balloon if I stood next to him. I said, slightly disheartened. Oh, Salma, don't go beating yourself up. I'm sure you guys would make a cute couple. Looks aren't everything, right? And in fact, he had particularly asked for a religious girl, which, alhamdulillah, you are. That says quite a bit about him, mashallah, she consoled me. Well, at least we know for a fact, on the outset at least, that he's trying to stick to the sunnah of marrying a girl based on her faith rather than looks, wealth, or status. You should be happy for that. Mm, yeah, I guess so. It's just that I have a weird feeling, like it's all a dream. Uh-huh, she teased, nudging me with her elbows and raising an eyebrow at me, doing her little eyebrow dance that only she could do as far as I knew. Oh, Sarah, you know I don't mean it like that. I'm serious. What if we don't get along together? What if I don't gel well with the family? What if the whole mother-in-law, daughter-in-law issue is true? What if... I went on, exasperated. She raised a hand to stop me. What if, what if, what if? There is no end to the what-ifs. And you know better than me that they are just waswasa. Seek refuge in Allah from the devil and move on. Listen, you have consulted with your loved ones and prayed your istikhara. You have done your part. Now leave it to Allah. Take some deep breaths and relax. It's all in Allah's hands. And he will only bless you with what is good for you. Subhanallah. That was so true. Knowing it was one thing but hearing it, well, that just reinforced my belief. Jazakallah khairan sara. I needed to hear that. Love you loads. I smiled at her, my uneasiness now at rest. Love you loads, my baby, she said, hugging me. Any time and always. Selma, Sara, what are you both doing? How long would they wait? Sara, I sent you here to bring her, not to go on and on with your upteen chats. Enough of that. Come now. Mommy strummed off as quickly as she had come in. Checking myself in the mirror one last time, 
I made sure my pink chiffon hijab was neatly draped. I smoothed down the natural creases in my turquoise or kameez, beaded with white and pink stones. Sara, as usual, looked stunning in her maroon sari beaded with golden silk thread, which she had worn in Gujarati style, with the pleats spread out in front, and a black hijab which she had wrapped neatly around her head. As we descended the stairs to the hall, my heart thudded, my hands turned clammy, and I prayed hard that I don't trip down the stairs. As I reached the bottom of the staircase, I saw Daddy sitting on the sofa directly opposite to the main entrance of the hall, and, as if on cue, he said, Here comes Selma. This was it. Bismillah. Taking a deep breath, recalling Sarah's pep talk, and completely relying on Allah, I took a step forward into the thresholds of the hall. 2. Faisal. Faisal, look up, whispered Umma from besides me, and I looked up to see two beautiful girls. My eyes darted back and forth between the two of them as I tried to recollect which one was Salma from the picture that Vapa had shown me last week. Both girls looked similar, and in fact I doubted for a fraction of a second if they were twins. Clearing his throat, Uncle Ahmed asked Salma to say salam to us. I tried not to stare at the girls, tried to avert my gaze from the lips from which the words would flow, but just then caught sight of the girl dressed in blue move her lips. Seeing my future wife in person, my cheeks flushed and there was a sudden rush of blood that coursed throughout my body. In all my life I had never seen a girl who was plump yet elegant looking, until now. She had an aura of confidence, yet was bashful in her appearance. Her voice was as sweet as honey to my ears, and when she looked at me to say salam, her light green eyes captivated me. I wasn't married to her yet, but she had already had me doting on her. Come, and sit here, girls. Uncle Ahmed beckoned them to sit beside him. They sat opposite Vapa and Suhail. They sat opposite Vapa and Suhail, and I could see Salma through my peripheral vision on my right. I couldn't get to see her face as much as I would have loved to, although I kept glancing at her every now and then. After the initial greetings were made, Umma asked Salma if her studies were over, to which she answered in the affirmative, adding that she had just attended the convocation for her master's degree in history two months ago. I noticed that whenever she answered, she looked up to address the person, but when she was done, she'd immediately go back to lowering her head. I admired this aspect of hers, a mixture of shyness and boldness. Ahmed Kaka, my son had wanted to ask a few questions to your daughter. If you don't mind, shall we leave the room so they can talk? Maybe one of us could stay back to prevent the khalwa? Vapa suggested. Oh, man. I was a tad disappointed. I prayed it would be some old lady who didn't understand English. But as fate would have it, Uncle Ahmed asked his son, Sohail, to stay with us. Oh, well. At least something was better than nothing. Maybe Allah was testing me for having a not-so-good intention. Safrullah. One by one, they started to leave. Her sister left the room first, along with their mother, Auntie Farhana. Oma went next, followed by Vapa, and lastly, Uncle Ahmed, leaving just the three of us in the room. Sohail, myself, and my soon-to-be fiancé. All of a sudden, my throat went dry, and my tongue stuck to the palate of my mouth. I noticed the water jug near her, but I didn't want my first question to be, Can I have some water, please? I could see that she was nervous. She fidgeted with the end of her shawl, twirling it around her finger. So Hale was the one to break the ice. So, Faisal, how is work in Kuwait? Clearing my throat, I said, Alhamdulillah, it is going good. Alhamdulillah. And there was the awkward silence again. So, what is it that you want to ask Selma? prodded Sohail, after what seemed like five long minutes, which in reality must have been no more than one. Ah, well, I stammered and looked towards Selma. Do you plan to work? The world's rolled out. Great. That was the one question I didn't want to ask. Not now, not here, 
not like this. Her eyes widened a little, and I hope she didn't take it the wrong way. Um, inshallah, if, if everyone is okay with it, then I may work. I muttered an ah, okay, and prayed that I don't make another blunder. Suddenly, there was a knock at the door, and a head poked inside. Oh, great. Amma. She just doesn't leave me alone. Ah, poor Amma. I guess she was curious about me and her Fisha daughter-in-law. I consoled myself by giving her the excuse she deserved. I'm sorry. I left my phone on the sofa. Fessel, could you get it for me? She asked. I took the phone and had to cross the room to hand it over to her. With the coffee table in the middle of the room, Salma was sitting on the sofa towards my right and Sohail on the sofa to my left. I won't lie. I did consider crossing via the most loved lane. The mere thought of it sent a current through me. I imagined brushing against her knees as I walked past her, getting woozy taking in her smell and catching a glimpse of her up close. But Sohail's presence slapped me back to reality, and I had to do what I was expected to do. I handed over the phone to Umma and caught her signaling me with her eyes, as if to ask, How's it going? I let out a soft sigh and tightened my lips. Sensing my lack of joy, she addressed Selma and me together, saying, So, I'm guessing you both talked of your interest? Um, no, Umma, I was going to ask, I said, and threw her a grateful look. All right, please continue, she said before leaving the room. Returning to my place, I mustered up my courage and asked her, What do you do for your pastime? She looked up to answer, I love reading books. I like reading too, I said, mostly reference books. I usually read fiction. What else do you like to do? Do you have a favorite hobby? Sometimes, if I'm in the mood, I paint or sketch. That's nice. Do you have a masterpiece or something? I asked, sounding like a know-it-all. She laughed softly and replied to what could have been one of the dumbest questions. It's not like I'm a pro, although I do have an artwork which I love. It's that one. She pointed to her right. I followed her gaze and there on the wall facing me adorned a four-piece artwork. It was of a single tree that branched out to four canvases, each canvas depicting a season. My jaw dropped and my eyes widened. I was amazed by her creativity. Masha'Allah, it's beautiful. Before I looked at her, I glanced at Sohail as if to get his permission to look at her. His gaze was fixed on his mobile, his fingers scrolling the screen, and he had a serious look on his face. Alhamdulillah, she said, looking down. Her voice dipped, and I realized she was blushing. What iyaki? I cleared my throat and said, I like photography. Before you ask, I'm not a pro at it, and I don't have any masterpiece. Her chuckle in response made my heart weak. How was it possible to not know a person yet have all the lovey-dovey feelings for them? As we talked some more, I realized that we had a few common likes and dislikes. We both liked nature, traveling, and learning. We disliked TV shows with heated discussions and commercialized movies. Well, that was a little white lie on my part. A while later, there was a knock at the door and the two families joined us once again. I didn't want to leave. Actually, I didn't want them to come back so soon. Though Sohail accompanied us, it felt like Selma and I were the only one really present in the room. Apart from his occasional coughs and throat clears, he didn't exist for us. At least for me, he didn't. I looked forward eagerly to the next time we met, which would be at the wedding, inshallah. 3. Salma Hardly three weeks were left for the big day, and the house was abuzz with wedding preparations. Daddy and Mommy were out almost every day visiting close family and friends to hand them the wedding invitation cards personally. Purchases for the wedding dress was done, and the only thing left for me to do was apply henna and get a salon look. Sara, on the other hand, had a whole lot of errands to run, from calling up and inviting the rest of our friends and families, to preparing and packing things which needed to be taken back home to India, 
After all, that was where the wedding will take place. No one from my hometown would dare to get their kids married abroad. No, that would open up a huge Pandora's box. As for me, I wish to say that I was having the time of my life. As for me, I wish to say that I was having the time of my life. But the commotion around me made me edgy, and I behaved, much to my realization, like a jumpy, freaked-out cat. Added to that, Najla, my best friend forever from childhood, would call up every day and tease the life out of me. She knew too well that I preferred to shy away from such conversations rather than make a good comeback. Even my soft-spoken, bashful machi, Mariam, had done her share of teasing when she had Skyped the other day to send me her congratulations on the engagement. Hmm, so Selma, tell me, how are you feeling? Her pregnancy glow seemed to have doubled up out of happiness for me. Alhamdulillah, machi, I'm feeling good, I had replied with a shy smile. I can tell good is an understatement from your beaming face. Her smile widened and crinkled her eyes in amusement. The pregnancy, I noticed, had made her babyish features more baby-like. It accentuated the roundness of her face, added a shine to her cheeks, and had blessed her with satin-like mahogany skin. I giggled, covering my face with a shawl of my shawar kameez. Enjoy this time well. You will never get to experience this moment any time afterwards, she said with a wistful smile. Your love will only grow for each other in mature and better ways. But this love that you are feeling and experiencing now... This will pass soon. Ever since Mariam had entered our family, I considered her as my second sister. Though she was older to Sarah by two years, she looked much younger than her. And like my own sister, she was one of my best well-wishers. Her love for my brother, my sister, and myself knew no bounds. It was as if she had always been a part of our family, despite the fact that she came from one that was of a lower status than ours, in terms of bloodline, a concept I hated and never agreed with till now. I went to the kitchen now and made myself a cup of green tea. Mommy had been lecturing me to reduce weight, at least until the wedding day, so that I don't look like a pumpkin standing next to a bottle gourd. I knew I was overweight and that I had to shed some kilos off, but every time she said it that way, it made me cringe inside. In front of her, though, I laughed it off. I don't think she realized it hurt me. Hopefully, drinking green tea three times a day would work. Sheesh. The world was more weight-obsessed than health-obsessed, and losing weight felt more like a chore. I let out a sigh of dejection. I picked up the mug and my copy of If I Should Speak, a soul-searching fiction by my newfound favorite author, Um Zakia, and retreated to my reading spot, a sofa in the corner of the living room overlooking a backyard. I loved sitting by this place and gazing at the delicate blooming flowers. There was something so soothing about the way butterflies hovered over the flowers, landing ever so gently on the petals in search of nectar. SubhanAllah. The beauty of creation never stopped to astound me, and I found myself constantly awed by the might of Allah, the Almighty. The shrill sound of our landline phone knocked me out of my reverie. I got up sluggishly to attend the call. Hello? The line was silent on the other end, but I could hear someone breathing. Hello? I repeated. Apart from the sound of breath and dull static, I couldn't hear anything. Just as I was about to hang up, I heard a man's voice. Uh, hello? said the voice on the other end. Yes? Who is this, please? I asked. This is, um, my name is... He coughed, cleared his throat, and finally spoke up. I'm Fessel. I froze, stunned and shocked as though shocked by a taser gun. Assalamu alaikum, he stammered. I was torn between remaining speechless and returning the right of a Muslim. Wa alaikum assalam. Um, Daddy and Sohail aren't home. Shall I ask them to call you? I responded. Well, I surprised myself. Actually, I wanted to talk. My heart began to beat faster. He wanted to talk to me? What should I do? 
Slam the phone down? No, that would be rude. Maybe I should politely decline and tell him that this isn't right Islamically. Pull yourself together, Salma. You're not going to turn this into a lecture. Salma, is the daddy on the line? Mommy called out from the kitchen. If so, don't hang up. I need to talk to him. I contemplated giving the phone to her but decided against it. He didn't mention whom he wanted to talk to. The butterflies returned and I asked him if he wanted to talk to Mommy. No, I wanted to talk to you. I knew it shouldn't surprise me, but it did. I wasn't sure what to say. I tried to speak, but all that came out was air. Finally, I managed to say an, oh. I wanted to know if you like to read self-help books. Um, yes, I do. I didn't know how to address him. Calling one's fiancé or husband by the name is looked down upon in our culture. I really think we shouldn't be talking. Phew, I finally managed to say it. Yes, yes, I know. I just wanted to make sure you read such genres. I do, yes. Okay then, salam alaikum. I cut the call as hurriedly as I cut the conversation. It has been two days since Faisal's call and I couldn't shake the thought of having done something wrong, especially since I hadn't confided with anyone, not even my close confidant, Sara. As much as I tried to push it to the back of my mind, the guilt would creep quietly back in, leaving me wallowing in a deep pit of anxiety. I have committed an act of zina. I needed to confess to someone, to get it off my chest. Sara was swamped with the wedding preparations and I couldn't find the right time to talk about it with her. Mommy wouldn't understand me. She would just shoo it away saying, Oh, it was just a word or two, nothing more. Don't fret about it. People these days are so open-minded. No one really minds. Yeah, mommy, but just because a majority does it doesn't make what's wrong right. What no one understood about me was how sensitive I was, how a trivial offense could spark up my defense system. My classmates used to call me sensitive Selma only because I used to get hurt at the slightest of sarcastic jokes. But I was also the one who stood up for others when they needed support. I felt their pain when they hurt, and I could never stand oppression. So why wouldn't anyone call me sympathetic Selma instead? Honestly, I preferred being called sympathetic than sensitive. Words cooking, girl. Sara caught me off guard with her trademark tagline. Sara! I ran to her and threw my arms around her in a hug so tight that she lost balance while carrying a handful of shopping bags. Whoa! What happened? Missing me already? Sara teased, studying herself. She gently pushed me back and studied my face just as my eyes started to well up in shame. She mistook my tears to be tears of sadness for us having to part ways after the marriage and consoled me. Hey, hey, it's okay, dear. She set the shopping bags down and hugged me. Everything's going to be all right. We will be in constant touch, okay? Wiping away the tears, I shook my head and said, Sara, I have something to tell. It has been eating away at me for too long. Sure, sure. What is it? She asked as we walked towards the living room. Not here, I glanced up, indicating we go to our room. I helped Sara with the bags and we carried them to our room upstairs. The bags set aside, we sat on the bed. Sara placed her hand on mine and looked expectantly at me, waiting for me to explain my sudden outburst. I couldn't look at her. I lowered my head in humiliation and spoke. Sara, I did something bad. I, I can't believe I did it. The tears stung my eyes and my vision blurred. A lone tear fell on Sara's hand clasped over mine. Oh, my baby, what is it, Ma? Whatever it is, it can't be that bad. Sara put her arm around me and rubbed the side of my forearm. No, Sara, it is. I... I talked to... I stumbled and stammered. I wasn't able to get it out of my mouth. He called. He? She was momentarily confused and then realized, Oh, Fessel? Yes, him. I buried my face in my hands and began to sob. Sara got up quickly and closed the door before Mommy could hear us. How did he get your number? 
A frown creased her brow. No, no, alhamdulillah. He didn't call my mobile. That would have been worse. He called on a landline. Oh, alhamdulillah. You got me worried. Relax, Salma. He called on a landline so he knew very well that anyone could have picked up the phone. If he had called on your mobile, then it is only you who would pick up the phone. So don't stress over it. It's not like that. How could I explain this to her? I talked to him voluntarily. I knew I shouldn't, but I did. I spluttered in between sobs. Selma, it's just like talking with a stranger when he asks you something. It's not like you sinned. No, I balked, but I did sin. Replying to a stranger is different. With him, I knew it was him. I have feelings for him, and I didn't bother giving the phone to mommy. I spoke out of my own free will. I told him that daddy and Sohil were out, but he wanted to talk to me. And I responded. All that was pent up in the past couple of days poured out of my system. We didn't speak much. All he asked was if I read self-help books, and I said yes. That's it. And then I cut the call. Okay, so nothing major happened. He asked you a question, and you replied. What is done is done. If you ask me, I don't find it something to stress about. But if you are feeling guilty, then just do istighfar. Allah will forgive you. I have been doing istighfar all these days. My voice came out in a whisper. Chill, ma. It's not a big deal. Believe me, Allah will forgive you and you need to move on. I let out a humbled, okay. Jazakallah khairun, Sara. Alhamdulillah. I feel lighter now. I love you, I said, wiping away the tears of guilt and relief. Ah, I love you too, baby, she replied, returning my hug. All right, come on now. Let's go before mommy comes looking for us. Or else she will start eating our heads off. What are you girls doing, yapping all the time? Sara mimicked. Giggling, we left our room and went downstairs to help mommy with dinner. 4. Faisal Faisal Kanna, Get up. We need to go to the tailor. We have an appointment with him in one hour. The voice came from a distance. The beauty of my dream faded as my body was rocked back and forth. Was this Jenna that I had seen? A sun-kissed skin exuded radiance. Her light green eyes twinkled in the bright sunlight. Her hijab danced to the music of the wind. And her laughter was oh so magical. Faisal! Faisal, get up! And just like that, she was gone. Reluctantly, I opened one eye. Oma was standing above me with her arm akimbo. Get up, Faisal! We need to leave in half an hour! I hummed and tried to return to my sleep to the vision of my heart stealer, but she was gone, and all that came to mind was the image of Umma hovering over me. I pushed the quilt back and rose to my feet. Stretching my back, I yawned and started humming. Of late, I had been surprisingly chirpy in the mornings, when I would have otherwise been put off by Amma's nagging. Right now, her nagging was faint and distant. My heart and mind were in no mood to be spoiled. Holding my head up high, I walked dreamily into the washroom. I'm going to get ready, Faisal. Be downstairs in ten minutes. Frustration leaked through Amma's tone as she made the bed and left the room. After a quick shower, I made up the mist fudger prayer, grabbed my wallet and keys, and headed downstairs. Amma had prepared my favorite breakfast meal, masala dosa. Scrumptious rice flour pancake cooked thin, folded in half, and filled with sautéed potatoes, stuffing, which was infused with an aromatic blend of crushed spices. Almost cooking always made me hungry, even when I was not. It was 9.30 a.m. already, and our appointment with the tailor was at 10 o'clock. Just as I was about to call out to her, Amma entered the living room, all set to go. Dressed in her black abaya with a flowery sequence of stones, she looked quite young for her age of 56 years, and despite the crow's feet and laugh lines that lined her face... On an impulse, I pinched her cheeks and said lovingly, You are cute, Umma. Taken by surprise, she said, Bora, with a hint of shyness. Start the car and I will be right with you. 
The traffic wasn't heavy, and we reached the shop 10 minutes before our appointed time. The tailor took us in right away. After getting the measurements done and sealing the deal with the bargain, mom's favorite part of shopping, we left to the shopping market for making the bridal purchases. Oma insisted we get at least three types of every accessory that a bride would need, everything from hair accessories to clothing items to handbags and clutches and shoes. Oma, why do we need to get everything now? What if we get something which she doesn't use at all or worse, doesn't like? She might not even say she doesn't like them, yet use them just so our feelings aren't hurt. That's like indirectly forcing her. Do you want me to feature your book at the Salam Pages podcast? Then please write me at readmybook at sunnaliving.com. If you love my narration, then please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at salampages.com.